Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. A uh, warm welcome to you all. My name is uh, the Reverend Jared Jones. I'm the Associate Rector for Family Ministry here. And um, I, uh, I come on behalf of Father Stu. He sends his, his love. He's getting over a, uh, a cold. Uh, and he, um, he he's basically better. But, you know, these days, um, if you even cough in public, it's just immediate uh, death is wished upon you. So... Uh, he thought it best to, to not worry anyone and um, and and rest uh, another Sunday. Um, but uh, this passage, as I was thinking about it this week, um, one of the things that stood, one of the lines that stood out to me uh, in the gospel reading uh, was when Christ says that um, that all who eat of his flesh and drink of his blood um, abide in him, and then he says that the living Father, just as the living Father has sent me. So I get my life from the Father, and that whoever uh, eats of my flesh will, will receive that life. You know, he, he's talking about um, that there's some kind of Trinitarian relationship between the Father and the Son, that the Father loves the Son and, and, and um, generates and eternally generates the, the Son, and the Son receives that love and receives that life from the Father. Um, and that in some way, what, what Christ is saying is that when we eat of him, when, when we trust in him, um, that we are um, brought into and we begin to um, uh, participate in the divine life of the Trinity. We, we participate in the divine life of the Trinity. Now that line I just said, um, participation in the divine life of the Trinity, what, what you could do with that um, is you could go to any seminary in America and probably get a book deal. Um, if you went to them and just said, I want to talk about the participating in the divine life of the Trinity, people would love it. Um, and here's the little secret um, that, that no one wants to say is no one has any idea what that means. Like, if you, if you, if, if you say it, people love it. Um, it's like the great theologian Will Ferrell once said, uh, that it's uh, no one knows what it means. It's provocative. It keep, gets the people going. Um, it is, uh, it, it, it's a line that sounds great. No one, I mean, there's, there's three, really there's three groups of people in the room. Uh, there's one group that, that is, you know, kind of like with me and they're like, yes, participation in the divine life of the Trinity. I am all about it. Um, there's another group that doesn't have any idea what it means, but, but knows that it sounds good. And so they feel bad about not saying, so they'll just kind of nod like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's the actual Christians in the room and you're probably sitting somewhere in the back and you're going, no one, that, that doesn't make sense. That, that doesn't mean anything. I don't know what that means. Um, and the secret is, uh, again, no one knows what it means. But if you ever really want to, if, if you're single and you're ever interested in dating a theologian or a priest, God help you, um, just, just whisper in their ear one time, participation in the divine life of the Trinity. And it's like, in, you're good, you're good. Um, but nevertheless, it's in the text. You know, what is it, what, what is, what could Jesus mean that he's saying that there's some relationship that, that God has with himself, the Father has with the Son, that then he, he's bringing people into. Um, and time and time again, often theology or doctrine or, or, or things about God or, or things in Christianity can seem, um, like they sound good 
and they sound true. And, and no one, in, I mean, maybe some of you would, and that's great, but m- many of us in here, we would never question whether that's true or not. We would say, yeah, that sounds great. Um, we just don't know what it really means, um, that, it, that it's completely abstracted from, from real life. That, that, that sometimes it'll feel like there, there's things that we'll talk about um, that while they're true, they, they don't seem to make sense out of the life that you bring into here. Uh, about about the, the life that you actually live. A youth pastor, a friend of mine growing up, my youth pastor, he would always tell the story about his son uh, when he was in ninth grade that, that he was sitting with his son. He was working on, um, his son had an upcoming algebra test. I think it was algebra. For, as far as you know, it's algebra. Um, and he was working on this test with them, and what he noticed was that his son kept getting distracted. You know, he's just kind of drifting off and not thinking about it. And there comes a moment when, as a dad, you're, you're, you feel like, I'm doing, I'm a really good dad right now, and you're not really appreciating this. Like, I'm helping you with your work. Like, I could do a million different things, and yet I'm here trying to relearn algebra. Um, and uh, and he's sitting there, and he's trying to help him, and eventually he, he gets frustrated. He's like, son, you know, you've got this test coming up. I'm sitting here helping you, and it seems like I care about this more than you do. Um, which happens a lot, I think, with students with school is like the parents care about it way more than the student does. But anyways, um, and and so and, and so he says like I feel like I care about this way more than you do. And he he said I'll never forget that his son looked at him with all the the the, the wisdom that a ninth grader could have and said, Dad, I don't need to know this. And he's like, well, I, I mean, algebra's son, you know, and then you have to do what every parent does and try to convince your kid that it's important when, you know, like, I don't know the last time I used algebra. Uh, but you're like, algebra's important because you could build a bridge someday. And so, I don't know. Um, and so he starts going into the thing about how math's important. And, and, um, and his son's like, no, 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 Dad, I don't need to know algebra. I need to know how to dance. And he's like, and, and then he remembered um, that the next week was uh, the first uh, you know, his son's in ninth grade, his first homecoming dance, and he had a date. Uh, and so in his mind, what, what the dad was thinking was, this is school, this is really important, it's important that you know this. And the son was over here in his real life, when he's thinking, no, 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 I, I could get a hundred on this test, and it will mean nothing to me if I show up at this dance, and this girl expects me to dance with her, and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, that, if I, if I fail, if I fail at that, it's over. If I fail a test, I won't go to college. That's, you know, like, that's fine. I would rather not go to college than have this girl embarrass myself in front of this girl. It was a life or death um, situation for him. And I think there's something true about that for us, that, that there are things in our lives that, um, that we come to church sometimes, and, and sometimes maybe, maybe, maybe it was in your, the church you grew, you grew up in. Um, that that you felt like the, what the preacher was talking about, it, fine, it was good. I'm not going to say it was wrong, but um, at some point you, you thought, what, this is totally disconnected from me, from, from, from the me that, that, um, that, that came into this room, from the me that will go home after this room. But sometimes it can feel like the, the truth of uh, the, the great doctrines of God, the Trinity, things that we would all say, like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, but, but how does that apply? How, do, how does that have anything to say about uh, my marriage that's, that feels like it's fallen apart? You know, how, how, does, how does the truth of, of Christianity, the things that Christ has come to talk about, when he's saying things that seem so abstract, like I am the bread of life, 
eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. It's like, okay, that's great. Um, but um, my anxiety is killing me. That, that's the Jesus. That's great, but um, my depression is back. That, that's great, but I lost my job again. And time and time again, there are things in our lives that feel um, like, uh, in in the face of these great truths, we really need to know how to dance. We, we, we really need to know what, what's what's pressing for me. And, and I think part of the reason why we have a hard time connecting with something like. Um, this an eternal love like the Trinity, the, the, the eternal love that the Father has for the Son and that the Son has for the Father. And then we're told, hey, we're brought into that. We go, yeah, that's where you lose me. I mean, that sounds great, but I, 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 I can't connect with it. I think part of the reason why we have a hard time is that um, our idea of love, when we talk about love and when we talk about God loving um, God the Father, loving God the Son, what we're talking about um, is love that exists between two perfect people, two perfect persons. We're talking about God himself, you know. Um, and, and we're talking about God the Father, a perfect person, loving God the Son, a perfect person with a perfect love. And you and I know ourselves. And we know that we're not perfect. And so it's hard for us to connect with that kind of love. Well, what does a love look like um, if, it, if it's got me involved in it? I can understand the perfect, a perfect person loving another perfect person. That seems, that seems easy to me. But, but, but what about loving me? Or what about loving my spouse? Or about loving my, my boss? What about when you, you, you add in an imperfect person? That's because fundamentally our view of love, our view of love is that um, love... Of course, we love things that are worthy of love. That the way love works is that, that love goes outward towards an object that is lovely. An object that is worthy of love. Like, you know, there's, you love pizza because it's delicious and amazing. Like, you love the, the University of Georgia because it's the greatest college that's ever existed in the history of college sports, except for every other team that wins. Um, and never Georgia. Anyways, uh, but, we love things that we feel like or we see as objects worthy of our love. And therefore, it can be very difficult for us to, to, to connect with something like the love of God. Um, because fundamentally what that does is it means that we have to start trying to become an object worthy of God's love. And really what it boils down to, you and I live our lives desperately trying, desperately trying to find um, something where we will feel like someone actually knows us and loves us. That, that, that my, my friend, my friend's ninth grade son was actually more wise than, than many of us. Because really when it boils down to the things that matter most in our lives are, are the questions of, is this person gonna love me or not? I'll never forget, um, when I was, uh, years ago when I was a youth pastor, um, and, now I am again, but uh, years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was um, we were at a summer camp, and um, I was with this group of, of junior guys, and um, and at one point in the camp, we were talking one night, and one of the guys decided um, to actually be pretty vulnerable, which with with seventeen year old men, you're like this is the whole world is coming to an end right now. I don't know what's happening, but this guy's being honest, and that's amazing. Um, and he, he looked at his friends, who he'd been friends with for years. Um, this guy was 
captain of the football team, um, hilarious, good personality, um, you know, kind of the, the, the pinnacle high school dude, right? Um, and he looked at his friends and he told them, um, he said, I can remember the last time my dad get, said he was proud of me. It was two and a half years ago. It was the opening game of the season. Um, it was a home game. I ran for 106 yards and a touchdown. And afterwards, he came up and he gave me a hug. And he said he's proud of me. And he hadn't forgotten. For, for, for him, the 17-year-old boy who has everything going for him in life, the, the thing that he thought of, the thing that he was stuck on, as he can remember the last moment that his dad told me he was proud of him. And he hadn't told him since. That, that maybe our lives are characterized by um, desperately hoping that we can receive that kind of a love, that, that we can be seen and that we can be known and that somebody would look at us and say, um, son, I'm proud of you. But what we fundamentally believe is that we have to get there. We have to get there. This is where um, the love of God um, is not abstract. And it's actually very concrete and it's actually very um, present for you because the the love of God is not like other loves. The love of God is not um, the love that that goes only out towards objects worthy of love. The love of God actually goes towards... um, things and people that are not worthy of love and makes them worthy. Uh, Martin Luther said, um, said it like this, that um, God, uh, God does not love sinners because they're lovely. If he did, then it would be up to us to become more lovely, right? Um, God does not love sinners because, because they're lovely. Rather, sinners become lovely because they're loved. That, that, that God's love first goes out to us as we are. And creates in us something that is worthy, something that is lovely, something that is beautiful. So what Jesus is saying is that um, those of us who partake of him, who trust in him, um, do not have to become worthy. But we are brought into the love of God as we are, as is. And that the best way for us to view God's love um, it's not abstractly about God, you know, just simply saying that God loves us or God loves um, anything. But really, the, the best way to view God's love is that actually God forgives. That, that actually God loves you in all of your you-ness, in all of your mess, in all of your good and all of your bad. That God sees you as you are and claims you and loves you. Uh, one story, and then uh, I'll be done, um, of what this love looks like, what it looks like, and how it can really actually begin to connect in your life. I was talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago. Um, his name is Bill, and he was telling me a story about how he um, uh, had this interaction with his therapist years ago. And his, he had been going to this therapist for a long time, um, and he... Um, the therapist was an older man, um, and the therapist recently had found out that his wife had lung cancer. Um, and so, and, and Bill was going to the therapist because, at working through a lot of, um, the, Bill had had a, a, a horrible, abusive relationship with his father, a, re- a really abusive relationship with his own father. And so he was going to this counselor to, to, to work through that. 
And one day, um, they're talking and talking about his father, and, and all of a sudden, something clicked where um, he, he said that he went into a, um, a rage. The, you know, all, all of the anger from all of these years with his own father kind of bubbled up in one moment in this counseling room. Um, and that he said he, 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 got, he was overwhelmed by it. Um, and, and all of it got transferred onto the counselor because he's in the room. Um, you know, all of it, all of a sudden the counselor was a stand-in, you know, transference to all of his anger and all of his rage got, got, got focused on this man, this counselor of his. And he said that he looked at him. Um, and he said um, he felt so much rage, so much anger. That he looked at him and he said, um, I hope your wife dies of her cancer. And I hope you suffer a long time. I know. He's telling me this. Said, Goodness gracious. Get away. Um, and the counselor looked at him and, and said, Bill, that, that really hurts. You know my wife. You've known her for a long time. That, that really hurts. And... and We'll be done for today. We'll talk next week. It was one of those things where, if you remember um, the last time, I'm sure none of you were angry. Um, you, you, you have a moment where, when it wears off, that you realize, what did I just, oh my gosh, what did I say? And he went home and, and thought, uh, like, there's no way that his, his therapist was going to keep seeing him. You know, this was a, this was a, this was a, he crossed a, a line. Um, you all know, just from me telling it, that's a line. There's a line that has been crossed. Um, and he fully expected the counselor to say, look, you're going to have to get help somewhere else. We're done. And um, he went back the next week, and he went in and sat down, and um, he looked at the counselor, and he said, well, you know, are we done? And the counselor kind of looked at him confused, and he said, like, what do you mean? And Bill said, um, well, you're going to fire me, right? I mean, I said, what I, what I said was, it was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. Like, you, we're, we're done. And Bill told me that he'll never forget. The counselor looked him right in the eye. He said, Bill, what you said to me hurt. What, you've known my wife a long time. She's very dear. What you said to me hurt. And he said, he looked at him and he said, but if I give up on you, if I give up on you, who is going to help you? Bill, I forgive you. And Bill told me, my friend, um, that that was the moment in his life when suddenly God's love made sense. That, that what if God's love is not some abstract thing? Like what if God's love is not some algebra problem? It's not something you read about in a book. Um, what if God's love for you is right now, today? You, with everything that you brought into this room, with, with your sin, with your, with your suffering, with your weakness, with your depression or your anxiety or, or the, the relationships in your life that are falling apart or the ways that you know that you're, you're, you're letting your kids down or you're letting your spouse down or you're, you're letting your job down, whatever it is, the things that you are bringing into this room, what if God is here not to talk in the abstract, but to talk to you? Say, I've called you into this room today. If you were supposed to be somewhere else, you'd be there. But I have you here to tell you that I am the bread of life. All who eat of my flesh and drink of my blood will live forever. 
And the love that the God that Father has for the God the Son is given to you. That I know you. I know everything there is to know about you. And if I give up on you, then who's going to help you? I forgive you. I choose you. And I love you. Amen.